The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tam Tam. How, How are, are you feeling you? today? I, I feel like, you know, I just, I was in the car and I cried for no reason. And I feel like that is, that is, that is the feeling of the day. I feel like everyone is a little off today. So how are you doing? Oh, well, I can definitely sympathize with that. We didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Apparently, mm. I was told by my husband this morning that I was snoring a little bit in the sleep. <gasps> is was... that the first time? Uh, I think so. I've never, I've never heard <laughs> You're like, I don't know. before. <laughs> but... Well, I don't know. I, I think that snoring is, my husband snores all the time. And so we sleep a lot of the times in separate bedrooms. Oh, see, I think we might have to move to that model next because we have this thing. If one of us snores, we poke the other one to self-correct like in the That's middle of the night. But he poked me a little too hard last night. So it woke me up and I was not happy. So when you wake up, because I, I I know I do it to my I do it to my husband. I start off really nice and I say, um, hey honey, do you mind just propping your head up head up a little bit? Because I feel like the 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 oxygen can come out of your nose in a in a in a better elevation if we just like prop, prop you up. And then by the fourth time, I'm like, I need you out of the bedroom. I'm like, I need you gone. <laughs> And the poor guy like left and he had a four-year-old with him. And he was like, they both like walked off like little Oompa Loompas, <laughs> which is the word of the day and walked off. And, and my daughter was like, bye mom, we're sleeping in the other room. And I felt like such a horrible, horrible mother. So but you know what? We shouldn't because we need our sleep. Sleep is key, you know? And I actually think that's the secret to a healthy marriage is separate bedrooms. So I mean, yeah, because you can come in and visit the other when you want. You can have your separation a little bit, you know? Yeah. It is kind of a nice balance. I I think we're we're onto something with that. Well, so maybe we should ask our next guest what she feels because I don't know. I've I've I think I feel so many things, so many so many feelings, so many questions. Um, I'm sure she's heard this so many times, uh, and it probably gets annoying. But she was like my entire adolescence, and. I love her and I love everything about her and I believe in like attracts like, and I think I've been thinking about her a lot lately and then she came into my world. So I've manifested her into my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just, this is, this is a big day for me. It's a big day for me, Roxy Soxy. So who do we have on today? Oh, well, I think our, our dreams, you're, like you're saying, have finally come true because we are so excited to welcome our next guest. She's a mother. She's an author. She's an actress. She's a podcaster. She's an entrepreneur. And she might be one of the kindest guests we've had on the show, but she certainly is not clueless. So let's welcome. Well, I, like that. I like that. I like that. Roxy Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> yeah. So excited to have you, Alicia. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I just went into my um my 
uh, I'm a big supplement girl, a uh, big vitamin girl. And I just went into my supplement uh, drawer and I have like four of your supplements. And I had no idea that you were the mastermind behind that. Yeah. I'm so happy. What do you have from My Kind Organics? I have the, there's three, I have a spray, a vitamin C spray. I have the vitamin D. Um, I have a few of the gummies because I'm a big gummy person. I feel like sometimes when I take supplements, um, I'm afraid this is goes to a whole history of trauma, but like, I feel like it's going to make me feel something good or bad. So like, for some reason, when I chew a gummy or something chewable, it feels like almost like my childhood. So it, it, it brings on a lot of great feelings and emotions when I chew a gummy vitamin. So I like, I like gummy form in, 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 in most of my vitamins. Well, I'm happy that you have them. (laughs) Cool thing about our gummies, what makes them so special is that they're not made with any gelatin. Mm -hmm. Organic peaches and organic apple pectin. Mm -hmm. That's how we find it. No gelatin. And because gelatin is so nasty, it's it's literally all the slaughterhouse floor mixed with acid. Mm. Yeah. Who wants to have that? It's yeah. just gross. So um, anyway, um, we also, what makes them special is there's no added sugar. They're mm. all made with just fruit and not even just mm. fruit, not fruit juice, like fruit. Mm-hmm. So you're really getting something nourishing. And the other thing is they're made with all food. There's no... Mm or fillers in there. So the reason I made these vitamins was because I was pregnant with my son 11, 12 years ago. <laughs> and um, my my midwife said, you need to take a prenatal. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, why would I take a prenatal? I mean, I already eat really clean food. And she said, but what about those days when you're traveling or you can't get your hands on what you need? And I thought, well, okay, so as an insurance policy, I could get behind that. Let me find one. And she said, why don't you try this one? And I started to look at all the different prenatals out there. This is, was mm-hmm. my, my journey. And they were all loaded with junk. Right. Easium sterate in them. They were, they were, um, most of them were not food-based. They were all mm-hmm. chemicals. And then if they were food-based, they were wrapped in chemicals. Right. So, just sort of didn't understand. They weren't certified organic and they weren't mm-hmm. non-GMO verified. So ultimately I just said, this is crazy that there's nothing healthy out there for me to take. Why would I take this thing that's less healthy than the food I eat? Right. I thought, well, I'm going to find a partner and make these. So I went meeting different people. And when I met with Garden of Life, we decided to partner and create this together. They were excited to do this with me. So mm-hmm. I, I'm so proud of them that we have, and those sprays are great. And Mm -hmm. also all of our turmeric, you know, you can, most people extract turmeric using Mm -hmm. hexane, which is gasoline and um, GMO corn. Mm -hmm. And I don't want GMO things and I don't want hexane. I want, um, I want pure extraction. So we, we really have at every turn figured out at first we had to tr- figure out how to do clean tablet technology. Then it was the gelatin and the non-sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was the not using hexane and corn oil, mm-hmm. but at every turn we have the clean, what you can count on is the cleanest, mm-hmm. most nourishing, pure ingredients mm-hmm. you can find. So I'm, I'm proud because I wanted something to take and now I can give it to other people to take too. So I feel really good about that. 
Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you've had this clean diet for a very long time. I believe you've been a vegan since you were 15. Um, so with that, I mean, you were also kind of one of the first public facing people in our generation to really come out and take a stand and, you know, really support the animals. And so it all kind of tied in hand in hand. Where did your love of animals like come from and, and your desire to become vegan? Because I too have a very strong desire to protect animals and, you know, try to help them as much as I can. Although my diet isn't perfect. Um, I kind of want to know how that trajectory happened for you. Well, I love that you love animals and we never have to be perfect to make a massive difference. So mm -hmm. that's important to remember. We can talk more about that as we go on about, mm -hmm. you know, just the more we do it, the better it is for your health, the better it is for the earth and the mm -hmm. better it is for the animals. So if we just, it's not all or nothing, right? Mm -hmm. um, it started for me because truly my mom rescued dogs and she mm -hmm. loved dogs. And also I think every kid on the planet unless you're a serial killer, loves yeah. animals in mm -hmm. their nature. Like there's, I think kids that don't like animals, there's something kind of not quite right, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what's sort of established. And so it's in our nature to love animals. And if you put a little boy in a room with a cow, he's not going to come out with a steak. He's going to be hugging him and snuggling right. him. That's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So our nature is there. And my mom really nur nurtured that by, we would rescue, you know, we would, if there was a dog, I mean, I'm not sure this was the safest thing to do, but if there was a dog running on the freeway, she would pull over on the freeway and I would jump out and run after this <laughs> side of the freeway. The idea was not in the freeway. Yeah. But that also doesn't help because they run away. They're not going right. to. <laughs> but we did rescue a lot of dogs together. And so I, I became, when I was like, how old was I? I, I wasn't 15. I was um, 21 when I finally made the leap. But oh, my brother, when I was eight years old, started making all the sounds of the animals I was eating. And I had never occurred to me that the chicken was chicken or the lamb right. was lamb. You know, I don't think that we think that way. We're just, mm. mommy's giving it to you, right? And when my brother started making the sounds of lamb and chicken, I just went, I can't. So I declared mm. being a vegetarian when I was eight, but I had no idea what I was doing and no one mm. around me was vegetarian. So mm. it was short lived. I lived on ice cream and like French fries for a minute. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know what I was doing. And then, but I, so I, I did what I call flirting in the kind diet. Uh, there's a whole part of, that's my book. I have a whole section that's called flirting. So it's what that is, is this time from eight to 12, no, from eight, to 18. It took me mm -hmm. 10 years. No, eight to 21. From eight to 21, <laughs> I was sort of like kind of vegetarian and then not and kind of vegetarian mm -hmm. and not. I would just go back and forth. And internally, my body did not want to harm animals, period. Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know anything about health. And I didn't know anything of that. So when I finally was 21, I saw how we raise animals for food. And when I saw this, like, mm -hmm it was a truth that was unveiled to me that I never could have imagined. Mm -hmm. And I think most of us live obliviously mm -hmm. to how our animals are raised for food. It was so shocking and so disturbing. And now that I'm a grown woman, I mean, there's lots to be shocked and disturbed about in this world and how things are so corrupt and how, you know, there's just so much to that. But mm -hmm. this was my first awakening of, oh my God, 
this is allowed. Like, I couldn't believe that the government would allow this Mm. or the teachers would allow this or that parents would allow this Mm. This suffering and torture. I just, and, and I, it was mind boggling to me Mm. actually, because I also went to Hebrew school and Mm. learned about the Holocaust. And I just could not believe that we would allow this kind of torture to continue. Mm. It was so overwhelming to me. And, um, And so I spent a lot of time really upset. And then I put my big girl pants on and I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to look at myself in the mirror and say, you're a good person. You know, you're doing good while I'm Mm -hmm. continuing to contribute to the suffering of these creatures unnecessarily. And I didn't know at the time if I was going to, you know, starve or not be healthy or Mm -hmm. what was going to be the thing. I just knew I couldn't contribute to suffering anymore. Mm But then what happened was the most beautiful thing ever. You know, Mm. within about two weeks of making this change, I started to walk around with people were saying, what is going on? You're glowing. Mm. And I felt it was because there was sort of like this energy of standing in your truth. Mm -hmm. As a young woman, I didn't have a lot of self-worth. I didn't know how to stand up for myself in many situations. You know, we all have to work on that for a lifetime. But I, um, but I, this was an empowering moment where I was doing something that I absolutely believed in. And Mm -hmm. I was saying, this is not acceptable to me anymore. And that gave me so much strength and so much inner self-confidence. And, and then it started to get me in touch with myself in a way I could start to, the cobwebs were coming off, the gunk was coming out of my system. And I now could feel what my body needed and wanted and how I needed to correct, you know, course correct my life. And it started to, this journey began of listening and reacting and responding to those intuitive signals that we get. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then honestly, then there was, I, I was on an asthma inhaler. I had allergy shots twice a week. I had acne all over my face, cystic acne. I had, I was getting a little chubby at that time. I was mm. 21 and people were saying mean things about my body in the press all the time. And, um, which is amazing because I'm definitely here <laughs> than I ever was then. Um, <laughs> and, um, so that was happening and I just, they, what happened was I got slim, my face cleared up, my eyes got really white. Mm-hmm. I no longer needed an asthma medicine or allergy shots. My nails got so thick and strong. Mm-hmm. Like they were, you could bend them so easily they would break. And now they were so strong. So um, I had a massive health awakening. And then I wanted to know what, what is this? This is incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see like, oh, there's all these athletes that do it for better performance. Oh, there's doctors everywhere recommending this. Oh, there's Harvard studies showing that this is how you avoid heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Oh, this is not some, like, I just thought it was good karma, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But there's a lot of science to it. So anyway, it's been an incredible journey. I just think that the food that we eat is so devoid of so many nutrients. And I think the biggest, I think more people would want to eat more fruits and vegetables, more of a vegan plant-based diet if it was more accessible. Mm-hmm. I was listening to the news two days ago and they said that schools are in debt millions of dollars because these families can't even pay for lunch for these kids at public schools. And then you see what they're feeding them for lunch. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, when a, when a McDonald's burger or a burger like a McDonald's burger is 90 cents, 
and an apple is a dollar fifty, and yeah. you can't make ends meet, and you're getting paid sixteen dollars an hour, and you're still in debt just to feed your family. That's what makes me livid. Is I think that, firstly, having you know information is power, great. But then it's like, how do we turn into, how do we make it accessible for everyone? Because not everyone can, like, I can have a garden. I'm very lucky I could have a garden. Now that I know where my food's from. But these poor people who, like, poor, obviously poor, but also poor internally, that they don't have access to this. And I saw a family the other day, they were at McDonald's, going to McDonald's, and I was like, you know, inside I've got, I, I said, oh, they shouldn't be feeding their, you know, you judge, you judge people because you're probably judging yourself and you go, you know, those people shouldn't be giving their kids that. But then I thought for $18, they fed their entire family. What mm -hmm. else are they going to do? So like, how do we make this way of living and this way of eating more accessible for people mm -hmm. who, who, who don't have that option? I love what you're talking about. And I have a lot to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> this Great. is how you do it. <laughs> I want to tell you that first of all, you bring up a brilliant point and it is everyone should be enraged. And here's the deal. Once upon a time, the poor people had the healthiest diets mm. because they ate fruits and vegetables and beans and rice. Mm -hmm. And it was the rich people who were very sick. It, gout was in fashion. If you had gout, it was because you were eating animals. Mm -hmm. uh, only the rich could afford that. Our country subsidizes the meat industry. Mm -hmm. Your burger should never cost less than organic fruits and vegetables ever. It's absolutely insane. It's criminal. And who, who's benefiting? Some rich people who are at the high top of the chain of ag animal agriculture. Mm -hmm. so, and we think of our, we think we love to think of our farmers as these individual hardworking people. 99% of the farms in this country are huge corporations, 99%. So when you are, the government is in a relationship, keep them alive. And they have mass billions of dollars they spend on campaigning, lobbying, so that they can continue to subsidize so that it is such a corrupt relationship that must stop. And how can we stop it? All I can hope is that more of us that get awake to this can stand up. But it is the only way to get good food in people's mouths is to stop feeding it to the animals. Because when you give all, for example, 9 million people die a year of hunger. That is an outrage. Mm -hmm. 9 million people a year. You don't see that on the news. Does anybody care? Mm -hmm. Well, 9 million people died because we feed the food that could go directly into their mouths to cows and other mm -hmm. animals. Mm -hmm. And it's an inefficient use of resources. So the amount of water and grain and land and all of the energy that goes into creating a piece of steak could have fed villages of people. Mm -hmm. How inefficient the food source is. So that's why when you're talking about you have this inefficient use of resources and the food that people could actually eat is being given to animals instead and it's all being subsidized and so it is really criminal there are some really good things going on though there are people like pinky cole i did an interview with her on my podcast the real heel and she is not only feeding people really healthier options but she's cleaning up food deserts right so there's these food deserts where people cannot afford 
no, they don't put anything good in those neighborhoods. They just go, oh, you're useless. You know, there's nobody here with any money. So we're just going to let it, you know, die. The whole, it turns into a food desert. Mm-hmm. What she's done is created these places called um, Slutty Vegan <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia, in these food desert. And, and yeah, like my husband to call me that tonight, Slutty <laughs> Vegan. It's <laughs> my new name. <laughs> has absolutely healed communities this way, brought people together by feeding them great food, creating a vibrancy in a neighborhood. She goes into neighborhoods that have nothing, builds this little business, and this business then grows, and she employs all the people in the community, and she also gives away fruits and vegetables. So it's a pretty incredible thing. And and, and obviously, so many people are doing good things to work on these horrible things we're talking about. Right. It's important to know that these things are happening and and why it's a problem. Well, Alicia, you mentioned doing good things and you've done amazing things with your activism and your veganism and helping the animals, but you've also had an amazing acting career. So we we would be remiss if we didn't take it all the way back. I think one right. right? thing <laughs> we got to take it back I think okay Tamman now tell me if this was you as well I think the first time I saw Alicia on screen was in a film called The Crush mm-hmm. and it was this for the time especially I kind of feel like it was this film that you know other girls in our generation in that era were not getting these roles she played this like right kind of crazy but antagonist that you know just would not take no for an it I mean it was a very very interesting role especially at the time um you know in those times and then it was kind of like a domino effect for her career because she did that then she got the Aerosmith crazy video and she did the music videos and then from that Amy Heckerling found her and she did one of the most iconic movies of that time which was Clueless so it kind of like, I felt like kind of, you know, one thing kind of led to another and I don't know if it's luck or if it's just the timing was so perfect, but like for you, I mean, for a, you know, a relatively young actor at that time to have that much success right away. I mean, how did that feel for you? It was so weird. I mean, oh. you know, and I did nine movies before Clueless, I believe. Uh-huh. So I worked in France with, um, uh, Alan Corneau and James Gondolfini in a movie. Mm-hmm. I did a movie with Jeff Goldblum and Christine Lottie and, um, you know, a movie with Raquel Welch, a movie with Tyne Daly. Um, I was working like crazy before I ever even got to Clueless. So at 17, when I got the role of Clueless, I was exhausted, like mm-hmm. exhausted. I had I had done movies back to back to back. From the moment I got the crush, it was back to back to back. And I didn't know how to, I didn't have, um, like I didn't know, no one told me sort of, here's what you do when your career's about to explode or mm-hmm. I had no sense of what was going on. So I just said yes, because I was so excited to every single part. Mm-hmm. And my team, I also think was very new to it all and didn't understand, you know, more seasoned um, people would know like, whoa, okay, let's pick out of all of this stuff. Let's pick the best stuff mm-hmm. and let you rest and sleep and things like that. But I, we just were like, yes, yes, yes. Cause it was so exciting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Cause I loved acting. That's what was exciting. Um, I did not know about fame and I did not yeah. know what 
on earth was about to happen. I just didn't understand it. So that was weird and hard. And, um, mm. you know, to have your words when you're a little girl, if you say something, I mean, imagine that the stupid things you say when you're little, imagine the stupid things you say now, like mm -hmm. it's not a comfortable thing to have yourself sort of in print, um, mm -hmm. with someone's and, and their favorite thing to do is to pull out the silk, whatever they, to take things out of context, mm -hmm. to, you know, so it was just difficult and to be sort of growing up in that. Yeah. That kind of scrutiny. So I just said, fuck you to all of it really is what I yeah. did. Mm -hmm. know that that was the healthiest choice either because I then looked back and went wait a second did I just get kicked out like what yeah <laughs> I, I didn't even realize because you know you're young so you're like fuck you <laughs> yeah I'm out I'm gonna go to Africa and I'm gonna work with helping these elephants I made a documentary about these elephants that were struggling oh I'm gonna go to Peru and hang out with Woody Harrelson and try to save the rainforest and help mm -hmm. these communities build themselves up. Oh, I'm going to write books. Oh, I'm, you know, like I'm going to dig myself so deep into the things that I'm passionate about. Screw acting and this stupid thing, right. Mm -hmm. The thing that causes so much pain, but I loved acting. So I just didn't yeah. think that I could have it all. And so ultimately I figured out along the way, wait a second, I love acting. And, and so I, and so I went back and, um, and I, it was really doing, I did a play with David Mamet and mm -hmm. he's so extraordinary and doing that play, saying these words, some of the words I was saying every night from my guts mm -hmm. made me have to confront fear that I was dealing with. And I just went, oh man, now I got to change my life. So that, you know, you make these big changes. Mm -hmm. Every play I've done, a lot of theater, every play I've done makes me have to shift in a major right. And it's painful, but it, it, it there's something about standing up in a character and saying whatever you're saying over and over from your soul. Mm. And and in some of these plays, the you know it was confronting different issues, and it just made me go like, okay, well you can't say this for however ninety days and then come away mm. and get it. You have to deal mm. with it. Mm. So yeah, it's been an incredible theater. Was really a reminder mm. of how much I love acting, doing Broadway, working with Laura Linney mm. and, and Donald Margulies and Daniel Sullivan mm. and Eric Bogosian and Brian Darcy James. But in that room, sitting with them, I felt so um, like here I am uh, with my peers. Mm -hmm. And although I'm completely in awe and inspired and excited, mm -hmm. I also belong here. And that was really healthy for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Know that um, these are my peers. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. and so it felt good. And, uh, and then I just, you know, had to kind of start all over again in a way, but it's been mm -hmm. so much fun. And you probably felt respected too, you know, because you were doing these movies that you obviously love to act. I was on a show called Pretty Little Liars. It's a great show. I was on it for a decade, but you know, when you're on set, there's so much of this stop start that you never really ever feel like you're in flow. You don't really ever get to like theater. You're, you're so in that moment that nothing else matters. And that's why you fall in love with acting in the first place is that feeling of flow that we get so infrequently, especially on set. But I was going to ask you, you know, I was a child actor in Australia at 15 years old and my therapist, I just saw a new therapist and she's been amazing. And she said to me, she goes, huh, you were, and she goes, I don't know if this is the right term, but you were, had an adultified childhood. 
And because of that, because I grew up so fast, I was 15 in Australia working in TV and film. I, there's a lot of coping skills that I didn't figure out. Like I didn't, you know, I knew how to like fly to Germany and do like a, you know, a press conference, but I didn't know how to like figure out how to tie my shoes properly or like these little things that you try to figure out when you're not just doing the big things on set. Do you feel now because you started so young that there are some holes that are missing as you got older, just about like that part of your adolescence that you just didn't have, like you just didn't have it. You didn't have the normal experience that most people did when they grew up. I think a lot of things about that. I think um, a lot of that is super Mm -hmm. private that I'm not Mm -hmm. like needing to expose my inner workings. (laughs) (laughs) Not like us who just vomits it out on the shows every week. (laughs) Um, But I do feel that I can sum it up with that also has to do with your foundation and your family. And um, was there massive trauma in probably all of our lives? Yes. And I've spent my whole life working on that stuff. Mm. And, um, and do I often feel like I'm missing skills? Yes. And is my son an example of the complete opposite of that? Mm. I look at him and he is, uh, and I did it very intentionally the way I raised him. He mm. is so confident, so in his body, mm. knows how he feels, mm. can identify and ask for what he needs. Is He's so healthy. Mm. And it's like, I just can't wait to see what he's messed up over. Like I just right. like, <laughs> like it's coming. <laughs> what's going to be the thing? Because right now, you know, I know he's only 11, but he is an example of deep nur- nurturing mm. and um, attachment parenting mm. and holistic living. Mm. Very Waldorf approach, not having media. You know, of course he has it and he, ha- and, and I have a, split fam his you know we're not together so what happens at dad's house is different than what happens at my house mm-hmm. um but the foundation of what i know i give him is um he's so connected like he looks you in the eye he talks to people mm-hmm. i can he and i went out to a dinner this is a little side story mm-hmm. we went out to, we were in scotland we went on a, a road trip in the isle of isle of sky in scotland mm-hmm. which is an extraordinary place otherworldly and we had I was in heaven the whole time and we had such a good time together just driving around adventuring and we went out to this one night to dinner together and it was a sort of a Michelin star restaurant and it was in this small space and everyone was very quiet in there and it was very um much couples like a sexy date night thing mm-hmm. here I am sitting across from my kid and we are laughing and we are having so much fun and I'm looking around going we're having more fun than anyone in here for sure and um and he's able to sit through and try each of these vegan meals. It was a vegan tasting menu they made mm-hmm. and, um, and, and just engage with me for like three mm-hmm. hours, you know? And I don't know in our culture today, how many kids are able to do this. Parents mm-hmm. put their kids on their iPad from the moment they're born. And they're just like trying to deal with things in this, what they think is convenient way, but it just really, really is lazy mm-hmm. ultimately. It bites them in the butt later because yeah. they're. I just see kids who cannot look you in the eye. They cannot sit still. They they can't. They're not nice to their grandparents. They don't. They are not able to identify their feel. You know, there's a lot mm. the kids are struggling with, and 
And there was a lot that you and I struggled with. And there's a lot that everyone's struggling with, right? So we're all doing the best we can. And I think therapy is an amazing thing mm -hmm. that you know, unfortunately has been really always looked at, like there's something wrong with you instead mm -hmm. of, wow, that's really an amazing way to get a found a good foundation mm -hmm. if you have one and to build upon with, you know, to use all the tools. And um, so it's really a sign of good health mm -hmm. is what it is. Um, not there's something wrong. I think there's something wrong if you won't go. That, right. is, that is like red flag. We go for all the people that won't go to therapy. That's what I always say. <laughs> I'm in therapy for all of you that don't go because I wouldn't be so messed up. Well, I think um, a lot of it too is like, you know, a lot of men feel, and, and this right. is also like how they were brought up, right? That if mm -hmm. they go to therapy, it means they're weak or they can't figure things out on their own or like they're not strong. And they have all of these preconceived notions about therapy. But the funny thing is, I mean, I know my husband was kind of like that, you know, before we started going to therapy together and it really kind of opened his eyes and it kind of, I think having somebody like, you know, me sort of pushing him a little bit, it gave him so much relief. Like right. once he stepped into that office, right. That's so beautiful. And so lovely that he was open and lovely that you got him there. And that, I mean, only good things can come from that. Yeah. It's, and because the, because the bottom line is we all want to be living our truth, right. right? We just want to be in the, in our truth and not telling stories and not lying to ourselves or others. And I, I feel, you know, I have no patience for in my life. I mean, I understand, I'm understanding of all that people struggle with, but I don't have room in my life for when someone stops being honest. Like if I can feel, and I can smell it, I, I have a, a snout for this, mm -hmm. but if I feel that you're even lying to yourself, mm -hmm. I start to feel less respect. And I just get, and I don't mean that I don't feel love and mm -hmm. compassion. But I just go like there. I don't know that I have room for that because right. I'm. Constant, I want to grow, and yeah. I want. I am constantly growing, and I don't want to. It doesn't make me feel safe mm. when people are lying to themselves and lying to others. It mm. just it's really like a. And I grew up with a lot of that around, so it's a real like. And I think that's why I've been a truth seeker. It's why I found, you know, the truth with how people, how food is raised, the truth with vitamins, mm. the truth with um, pretty much, I'm ultimately always searching for the truth. And, mm. you know, it's, it's just, it makes me feel safe. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> yeah. feel like, yeah, you know, lately I, I've been on that journey. I really, I'm like, I'm my late thirties. I've got two small children. I want to be the best I can for them. And I know I fail constantly, but you know, one thing that's really started bugging me lately when I'm around women and it starts to become like a pack mentality and people start to gossip. That's been a, do you notice that sometimes? Like that's a big one for me. Like lately I've been feeling when you're aware of it, you go, cause I'm, I was listening to this podcast about judgment and judgment on others is really judgment on yourself. When you judge other people, you're really like, it's like a form of like, maybe I envy them or whatever. You don't feel good about yourself. So you're putting your shit onto other people. And like, by bringing them down, maybe you could feel a little better about yourself, but it doesn't ever like you, you, you drink the poison and you hope that someone else dies and you will, you end up dying. 
So I've been feeling lately is like that pack mentality. And I don't know if you notice this too, but like when I'll be with a girlfriend and we'll be totally fine, we'll have a great hike. We'll talk about the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Your pictures. Um, talk about not events and people. Talk about ideas, which I'm a, a, I, I love that. But then when I bring that person into a pack... It's like the one person will start to talk about someone and then it's like we all sort of feed on that energy, like trying to feel better. And 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 for me, that's like you said, I've had to distance myself from a lot of people because I realize that it's like the lowest form of intelligence is is gossip and bullying. And they all kind of, I think, are combined. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, you're talking about low vibration mm -hmm. and it's really important to pay attention to you. I think your body's always giving you signals about what feels good and what doesn't. I don't have a pack. Mm -hmm. My friends are so handpicked legs and I do have a lot of breakups over the years. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're meant to be with people forever. And when people mm -hmm. reveal themselves, when they reveal mm -hmm. that they're not trustworthy or that they are, um, you know, you lose respect for them. Like I have, I now have three pillars of friend, for friendship. It's like fun is important, mm -hmm. um, the trust and respect. And when the trust and respect starts to come down, it's like they get a different, they don't have to be blocked. Mm -hmm. They just don't hold that key to your heart. They just don't hold that inner circle. So um, yeah, and it can be lonely. It can be lonely when you really clean out, but ultimately it's not lonely inside you know, and it's not lonely with the people that you, um, the people that you do choose. Right. And I'd rather have a few amazing mm -hmm. than a lot of like, I don't have time. I just don't have time. I work yes. so much. My devotion is to my child, um, and to my activism and my work. I don't have time for drama mm -hmm. and, uh, and I do think when you're in a sick, like if I'm with my best friend who is so healthy and she's a therapist in Chicago and she's so like parents beautifully, wants to heal the world. It's just, she, I actually do a, one of my podcasts is with her. It's the first one I do with Mary Walden. She's so smart, but, and we laugh so hard, but sometimes we talk about things like this is, it's none of it is gossip because it's about how do you fix this? What do we do about this in the world? Like, and, um, and then if I am with a friend that it's, I know it's a safe road and they're talking about something there, there is safe. It's just, I don't, I know what you mean about a group. I just don't have that experience. Right, right, right. Um, but I think it's really critical to watch those no notice how you feel. And if you mm -hmm. go, this isn't feeling good for me, then it's not where you want to go anymore. Mm -hmm. How, how do you sort of reconcile that road? Um, and this is for both of you guys, because we all sort of are in this entertainment business. Like, how do you reconcile that with Hollywood? Because yes, you go in to do projects, you go in to do work, but a lot of it is, you know, some, you know, some of the socializing and like the stuff that happens kind of offset or not in front of the camera. 
like yeah. how do you work and especially with all the personalities that kind of swirl in this industry how do you keep yourself in a healthy place high vibrations and everything but while also navigating this business you know I mean, I feel very lucky that I have such a foundation. So like, I think of my foundation as um, my, my brain just went like 7 million places at once. So I want to try to figure <laughs> out <laughs> is to end up in Holland. That's where we want to end up. But the, the foundation is like, um, I could see you in Holland. Very cold. <laughs> just there for six weeks that's where we're gonna end but the point is that I you know your sleep is critical mm -hmm. how do we get the best sleep we get it from eating well when your body isn't fighting all the like the you know the the crazy things you put in your body that day the coffee the sugar the dairy the meat and it processed things mm -hmm. like body isn't fighting that off and your organs aren't going like help all night long you actually rest and when you wake up you feel good and then you don't need all those things because you feel good mm -hmm. and then you have your support system with the people that you really are inspired by and excited by and turned on by mm -hmm. and you're saying no to the ones that aren't and it's hard and painful but it's mm -hmm. better in the long run because you're kind of like you know you're saying yes to what is really good for you and no to the rest so I feel like I'm lucky and that I feel clear. And when I don't feel clear, I go to ask for counsel where I need it. Mm. And I just was in Holland making a film for six weeks and it was this. And I've been lucky in that I do feel like I have a great relationship to my work. I show up there and I, you know, in, in Holland, I, I, this movie was so fun and so crazy and we all, I just felt like I was on permanent vacation when I was on set. I was so happy all the time. Just, mm -hmm. and so I do feel in flow when I'm working because the roles I'm getting are different. I know what you're talking about before mm -hmm. going back to what you were saying earlier, when I would kind of, when people just wanted you to do the same thing over and over in terms of what I was being offered, that's where theater brought in this more interesting, deeper, juicier place for me to play. And so I kept doing theater because I got better roles there. Mm. And now since I've stepped out, I do both. I get juicy roles on screen too. And that's part of saying no to stuff that isn't interesting and yes to the stuff that is. And so, you know, the perpetrator is in Berlin Film Festival right, right now. And, and I'm going to South by Southwest for another film that I did. And all of these things that I'm getting to do are sink, your, the roles are sink your teeth into. So this thing I just did in Holland was crazy. But I was so turned on and excited and just game for anything with these people. And then I had great relationships with everyone. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to be best friends for the rest of our lives. Maybe I'll take away one person from that set. Yeah. You need mm -hmm. to have a relationship with. But I loved everyone. And mm -hmm. I get it. We, I, we all cared for each other. We worked together like a beautiful theater company. And mm -hmm. it was... Um, it was just wonderful. And mm -hmm. so I don't have any heart. I don't, you know, but I know what you mean. If you go to the Soho house, I went to- I left LA. <laughs> I was like, I'm out. Somebody dragged me to the Soho house yesterday. Nope. And I was like, what am I? I hate this place. I, I hate that place. Because that's where you're going to feel. Mm -hmm. You feel the entire room's anxiety pulsing, like, you know, and when you go yeah. to certain 
Hollywood parties, you might experience that too. But I just really am careful not to do that as much as possible. Yeah, just a lot of insecure people, I think, are projecting, you know. But back to when you said that, you know, you were at some point in your career, you decided to say like, fuck you. And then you were able to dive your teeth. I want to say that every day, by the way, fuck you. Sometimes I want to say it to my kids, but I don't. Um, <laughs> I try to self-regulate so they can self-regulate. But out of, this has happened to me. So I'm sure it's happened to many people. Um, I'm sure it's a shared experience. But for me, I kept taking the roles that were typecast because of the money. And I think that we don't talk, women don't talk a lot about money. I think there's a, definitely a shame element attached to that for some reason. Um, and, you know, you look at your family and you look at providing for your family and then you look at the role and the role is something that your heart's not in. And I think a lot of people do a lot more than I've done for a lot less than I've got. So I think money makes everything a little murky. And I think that a lot of people who are in the business, they take a lot of projects for the financial gain, but it makes them ultimately unhappy. But then they've set their lives up to such an extent where they need to keep making the money. So that's kind of what I'm reckoning with right now. It's like I did my last movie that I did two movies um, between September and uh, sort of January of last year. And the first one was incredible. Like I, I had dark hair before it. I went blonde. I played a dance mom, but it's dark and it's gritty. And I felt I got my first ever migraine after, like I gave it everything, blood, sweat, and tears on the floor. And I loved every moment of it. And I would come home and I'd be saying, I'd give my younger self a hug. I'd be like, you did it, Tam. And this is great. And it's coming out. And I'm so excited. Then I did another movie after that for the money. And I was really depressed. Like I, I hated the experience. A sound guy said to me, and this isn't my ego talking. This is, he said, why are you here? You're better than this. And mm -hmm. I knew it. I knew it. And they knew it. Nice that he said that. I, I, I was like, thanks. And I was like, oh God, that made me feel worse. And I kept saying to my husband, I was like, I know I need to learn something here, but I didn't know at the time what it was. And now I do. And that is, and I unpacked that, that whole experience. And I need to learn that it isn't, you're going to be okay without like the money will always come when you follow the purpose, right? When you follow the purpose, when you follow the law of attraction, when you follow the high vibration, money will be attracted to you. So did you ever feel like in your career that like it was taking the money and less about the projects? And then like, what do you do when it's silent? Cause I've had so many years where there's nothing coming, you know, and, and that's a really scary place to be. Okay. Again, there's so many things. <laughs> You're like so many questions <laughs> in one. <laughs> the first thing I want to say is I really want to offer up to you to check out another podcast that I did with um, Dr. Markham, Laura Markham about parenting. Because mm. This is with zero judgment. This is just with love. I don't want you to ever feel like you hate your kids. No, I don't hate them, but my I daughter know screams I at me know. and says she hates me. And I'm like, mm. I know you don't, but I just mean, that's what I mean. No judgment. Like I would never hate them. Whatever those feelings are, like you're, you've got them in check and you're going to figure it out. But Dr. Laura Markham is an amazing yeah. parenting expert for aha parenting. And and it's just really good information. And it's just yeah. a quick listen. And I think you'll love it. So I wanted to say that. And I know you don't really mean that, but it we just- We do gentle parenting, I promise you, with a bit of a punch in the- Just kidding. 
being yeah. very gentle. And I get it that she's having her own moments and sometimes, but also I say to her sometimes too, I go, I'm not a robot. And I also can regulate myself for most of the day, but sometimes mommy is overwhelmed and that overwhelm comes out in different ways. So I think the apology is actually really important. Oh, important. And, and I say to her, like I said, I shouldn't have yelled. I'm the parent. And I was really overwhelmed because the house is a mess and I literally just cleaned it and I don't have time. And it makes me anxious when things are messy. So it's having that self-realization and, and, and being aware of that, but also just accepting, cause I've had a whole um, unraveling of like learning how to love myself is just that you're not like, sometimes I'm going to be a bitch by accident and I'm going to try to work at knots. But I think that if I put so many rules on myself, then I already feel less than I have in my life, you know? So, but I agree. Yes. What I'm trying to say is not. There are no rules. The the point is, this is an incredible place for you to gather more information because you are on a journey. It sounds like you are doing the work on yourself. It's, it's always us. It's Mm -hmm. like anytime I know that I lose my patience, it's Mm -hmm. me. I didn't sleep. I ate bad. I'm not, Mm -hmm. never then. And so it's just good to have that awareness and take care of ourselves. It's the whole, the whole episode is about taking care of yourself, giving yourself what you need so that you can show up in the most healthy, happy way. So I just want that to say that, <laughs> but I know you're on that journey. Um, but it's just a useful tool for people who are listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, and then you said about money stuff. So I feel like when I was younger, I was sort of blessed with the understanding that, um, that was not the goal. Like I wasn't trying to make money and I wasn't trying to be famous. I was just trying to do good work. I did have, you know, a period of time where choice, and I, and I would be more happy to talk about this privately because it's, it's, it, I don't want to affect other people by saying my truth. So, um, but, but there were choices made that were not made for the highest art. And, um, and that was not, you know, ultimately it falls on me, but I was like young. I didn't, I didn't know. And I didn't mm. have you know the, the right tools. So mm. I think, um, I think if your husband has a job and you- he's a director, can you believe I married someone in the business? <laughs> is he a working director? He is starting next week on a massive project that took 10 years, uh, 10 years, 10 years of patience. <laughs> it's but- been on and off, you know, this business is on and off. So, you know, it's complicated stuff. I think yeah. ultimately I wish for everyone the, the um, and we all make decisions. Sometimes the big jobs, if you make it with consciousness, if you go in going, I'm going to do this job for money because this is a great opportunity. And I know that I may not be creatively, just know I'm going to suffer because I'm going to be creatively, mm. um, if, if this is the choice you're making, mm. I think going in with consciousness about why you're choosing it is really important. Um, but ultimately I wish for everyone that we all make choices based on our hearts and our desires. And ultimately it should lead to good things, but life is not perfect. So, you know, even when you work really, really hard, sometimes things don't work out and that's true too. So. Mm. Alicia, are you a big manifester? Because we do talk about that a lot on the podcast. Pam and I, you know, we really sort of, you know, have been on journeys to manifest more, you know, goodness and just all, you know, all the things we really want in this life. And we've been talking to experts on the podcast and everything. 
And I do think that it does make a big difference. We see changes when we really put that, you know, that energy, that positivity, um, you know, that desire, like all the things together and out there. So is that something that you practice yourself? I don't use that language personally, not because I have something against it, but because I'm not sure yet if I'm, if I'm buying it yet, mm. what I think is a different, it's exactly the same, which is action. I, if I want something, I have to work for it. Right. Okay. So if I know, Oh, let's say I have anxiety in my, or, or let's say I don't, I'm feeling uncomfortable around this person. Mm. I have to figure out how to fix it. And, Oh, I want um, peace. Let's say I want peace. Well, I, I don't just dream of peace and manifest peace. I go after peace. How do right. I get peace? So I, my brain is a little bit more sort of practical, logical, um, from the heart, mm -hmm. but I don't think of it, but, but that's, I'm saying that because I don't under, I don't, I haven't read lots of books about manifesting. I'm not in that but I'm curious about it. And I talk about it with my friend, Mary, sometimes like, what do you think of this? And ultimately we, we conclude that, you know, I think, I think there's a, I think it's a, I, I'm not going to, this is very off the cuff. I don't have a position on this. I don't care. I hope everybody loves manifesting, continues to manifest for the rest of their lives. Um, but I, but I think that the idea that anything we want I do believe for the most part, anything you want, you can have, mm -hmm. but I also know that that's not always true. And that, so it, it's leaving room for the resilience that we are going to have. I didn't want to not be with my husband. I mm -hmm. wanted to be with my husband for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And yet I could no longer be with my husband. And so there are things in life that occur that you, that, that you are faced with there you know, we aren't dealt always the hand that we need, the nurturing, the, the safety, the, whatever the things are we are. So, so in this life, I do believe that when we get ourselves healthy with our sleep, our food, our brains, that mostly our lives will go the way we want them to. And you may yeah. be able to tick like all the boxes, except one or two, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and does that mean you give up? No, you never give up. You continue to, I, I don't call it manifest, but perhaps it is manifesting. Yeah. It's just like, I know I want that and I'm going to keep open to it and keep working towards it. And, and, and I know that it'll either happen or it won't, but I'm going to keep go. I get closer and closer, you know, mm -hmm. that's how I think about it. So what I've learned about manifestation is you have to have just, uh, inspired action. Like you can't, it's not just you can't just dream it and it comes, but what, what does, what, when people say like, how do you manifest? They say, well, the first thing you have to do is definitely focus on gratitude. You got to focus on gratitude because when you focus on gratitude, you feel better. When you feel better, you attract more people into your life. When you attract more people into your life, be noticing the signs and the opportunities you get. And then when you get those opportunities, you have inspired action. Mm -hmm. And that to me is how life kind of gets better. <laughs> like maybe that's not a thing to, and, and sometimes when that doesn't work for you, it's because there's a belief system that's really ingrained in you being child actor. I don't know. There's a lot of things that is deep down in there that are subconscious that mm -hmm. I'm like, I say, I want the thing, but does my subconscious really think that I deserve the thing or that I'm ever going to really get the thing? So yeah, I'd love to win a golden globe. Do I really think that I could? I mean, I used to, 
I used to, and maybe that's why certain doors got open, but do I believe it now? Do I believe I'm too old? Do I believe that I'm not pretty enough? Do I believe I'm not talented enough? Like, where is that belief system? And I think when we change those belief systems, we can, we can change our lives, but, mm. but I know we're almost done and it makes me so sad. We're almost done. <laughs> well, I hope I see you in real life sometime in like I yes. don't know, air, one, air one or something. I'll be like, yo, <laughs> be like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Shall we end it with a fun little game? Let yes, we'll ask a few yes. fun questions. Yes, which yes. game should we play, Roxy Soxy? Oh, perhaps we should play Truth. Never have I ever. Oh, we could do Never Have I Ever. We could yeah, do Never Have I Ever. I, I appreciate that you guys are being so vulnerable and open about your lives. It's really nice. And uh, yeah, that's the show. <laughs> we go and cry afterwards. <laughs> So that's really good. And um, yeah, that's what I want to say. Go ahead. Oh, no, you can keep you. telling us how great we are. Yeah, please. I <laughs> please. I needed it today. Right right in the car. Time. <laughs> oh, I've got a deep level of pain. Don't you worry. But turn pain into purpose, right? That's what we're supposed to do. Wait, okay. I kind of think we should play true or false. Okay, true or false. Okay. Yes. Let's do that one. Okay, Roxy, you go first. All right. True or false? Your clueless co-star, Paul Rudd, is a good kisser. Mm. True. True? Oh. <laughs> All oh right. So, I now want to kiss him. Not <laughs> like true. It's like true. <laughs> He's like no one thing. ever. Yeah. Yeah. But see, no one ever opened, like no one ever kissed me properly on set until like, I thought that you were not supposed to. And then. All my co-stars were like, they did. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> is, is that a like, thing? Is it, are you supposed to like fully kiss somebody when you're doing a kissing scene? Like, are you supposed to use tongue, et cetera? Or is it kind of like a fake kiss? No, they're very, kisses on set are, um, you didn't ask me if it was an onset kiss or not onset kiss. <gasps> oh. oh, is there an offset kiss? <laughs> You I'm can't just, say, you can't, you can't throw a bomb like that. Yeah. In the body. Yeah. We're not letting you do that yeah. now. I mean, the cutest story ever is when I was 15, mm -hmm. I did uh, my first movie, The Crash with Carrie Elways and I, we kissed on set. And then I thought he was my boyfriend. Oh. That's what happens <laughs> when you kiss him, right? Yeah. So I went, went to his trailer and I was like, was that okay? And he's like, yes, it was okay. It was nice. And I was like, and then I just thought in my head, like, okay, you're mine now. Yeah. His, his, his wife, who was his girlfriend at the time, mm -hmm. picture recently of me and him together where I'm laying, we're both laying on the bed and I'm looking at her. She's taking the picture. Like, this is my man. <laughs> yeah. This is my man. <laughs> yeah. That's very on brand for the crush. Very on brand for your character. <laughs> you don't sometimes know the difference. Like when you're young, you're just like, wait, my body's like, this is exciting, but it yeah. shouldn't be because it's like, I'm. Not with this person. But hmm. so in Holland, they have these people who are, um, wait, it's a special role. What's it called? It's like a- Intimacy a, coach or something? Intimacy coach. It was yes. my first experience of an intimacy coach. And and they do a whole, and it's really, I, at first I was like, oh God, I've been doing this for, I was being obnoxious. I was like, tw my resistance to learn. I've been doing seven hundred years. Why do I need an intimacy coach? This is so silly. And then- and then what was so, she's wonderful at it, this woman. And the way that she, um, the way that she 
complete the completion, the part that you just said about how you get feelings, like the completion of, hey, everybody good? This was okay. Like we just discussing up front exactly what's going to happen. So helpful because, you know, Nick Frost and I said to each other and the other actor, Jan, we both had these moments where we would just say like, is this okay? Is this okay? Can I touch you here? Can I touch you there? What are we doing? And just having this communication opened up room for the awkward conversation. I mean, Nick said, so let, is, am I going to stick my tongue in your mouth or am I not? Like what? <laughs> yeah. You know, you can. And sometimes you're like, I want this and I, maybe I don't want this. I don't know. I said, if that's what happens, that's what happens. I'm not worried about it, but I don't know that we need that for this moment. But if that's what happens, it's okay. Yes. So, so I think. I think it's never, it's never the romantic thing that you think it's going to be. It's just, like, can't, as a grown woman working, you kiss many different people and they're, it's not, it's not romantic and sexy on set. And I know this is not my question, but have you ever felt uncomfortable? Because, you know, when the Me Too movement came, I was like, oh, I don't think it's ever happened to me. I've never had a Me Too moment. And then I think about all these little things that did happen as a child actor, like, my driver being like, oh, you're so hot to like, and you know, just these little things that happened on set, like someone would place their hand, like you said, like now there's an intimacy coach who'd place their hand on my breast. And I was like, I didn't ask for that. And then it would say cut and the hand was still there. Like, did you ever feel uncomfortable in the time of when you were a younger actress? I don't think I want to address this topic. Okay. <laughs> to me, I have so much to say about it and it's totally yeah. correct. So okay. I- I think, we'll uh, talk about after. I'll talk about on air one with you one day, the day that I run into you. Okay, yeah. so true or false? Um, when people come up to me and talk about clueless or make me say as if or whatever, I'm just like over it and annoyed. Oh, I can't answer that with a true or false because it depends on the somewhere situation. in the middle. <laughs> somebody comes over to me and says, "I love your movie, and I'm a big fan." That is always sweet and lovely, right. and if somebody comes over to me and says, will you make a TikTok with me from Clueless so I can get ahead in school? I'm like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, right, you know? right, right, like, right. Leave me alone. I'm busy. You know what I mean? Like, I, uh, I don't, that's, uh, that sounds harsh, but what I mean is if I've been all day everywhere, mm-hmm. I was just in Holland where I'm pretty much anonymous. I mean, people know me, but it's not the same way. Mm-hmm. And I felt so happy riding my bike every day, walking every day and being free. And then I went to El Paso, Texas, and I did a speaking event and it was beautiful and lovely, but that's a lot of energy everywhere I went, everywhere I went, everybody, even in the airport, everyone in the airport was like, and I just was like, oh God, take me back to Holland, you know? So it just depends on the situation. Um, But any fan that says something nice is not a problem. Right. So I think- Two last questions. Quick, Roxy, you've got to get okay. the True one. or false. Um, the key to true happiness is finding love. Can I say more than true? True, but it's finding love from, if it was, if it didn't come from your roots, if you didn't have it in your, in your family, the, mm-hmm. in that nurturing way that you need, then it's finding it for yourself. And and then finding it in everywhere in how you behave in the world. But I don't think it's like, you know, I don't think it's like Cinderella that if if I, I, I do think that if you do find a partner that is the most amazing partner in the world, that's a beautiful thing. But for the people that don't, 
I don't think that that it means that your life is not good. Your life is good when you make your life good. And when you take care of yourself and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Last one, true or false. Mm-hmm. Do you ever want to do parts of your life over again? Or are you happy? True as fuck. Yeah. I feel like that just hit me this year. I was like, oh God, there's like a few things I want to do again. But what would you redo? What would you want to live over? Or what would you stuff? I think I was a better, I think I was a better mother the second time than I was the first time. Cause the first time I was just so confused. I had no network. I had, I had no community. I was alone and I was really scared. And I just, it wasn't that I was a bad mom, but I was a I wasn't as present as I am with the second one because she might be the last. So I'm like really tuned in Mm -hmm. and I've grown and I've gotten healthier. So there's just a few, I think there's just, I think I would have just been kinder to myself when I was younger on set and been like, this is really awesome. And Mm -hmm. no, no one, not everyone has to like you and you're not fat. You know, like, you know, like you probably look the best you'll ever look like, you know, I mean, I was so mean to my body, you know, mm-hmm. but this is not my question. True or false. You said true as fuck. I think it's so true. That thing about how you look back at pictures of yourself when you are so beautiful and so, and you know that then someone was saying you weren't right. And you're like, what? Yeah. And, and yeah, my, I have a friend who always used to say, this is the youngest and most beautiful we'll ever be in this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And, but it's true. Cause she's like raging, raging. And, um, (laughs) and and I just think it's really funny and and it's, but it is true. And, um, no, I, I, I don't want to share the thing. Luckily the parenting thing is the, my but that has, I probably did it. Old. I'm probably older than you. I probably did it older than you. I'd already done all the work on myself. So when I had my kid, I said to my son with such intention, what I was going to do to make it different mm-hmm. and what I was doing, it was so intentional. So, um, and I wrote the book about it. The kind mama is all about that. And I, 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 I love that book. And and so I can say with confidence that that part I'm super proud of, and there's no part of it that I would change there at all, mm. but, um, but there's a million other things, but that's private. That's for when my family has all passed and, <laughs> and I feel like it's worthy of exposing, but not today. Yes. <laughs> not on our podcast, but you know, might come back in like a, like, I don't know. 10 years, yeah, I mean, 10 years, I'll have some shit to say. If I think yeah. it's important, I don't really think exposing my, um, the, the important, I want to share what I need to share to help, mm-hmm. but I don't think exposing all of my, it's not my, it's not my game. That's mine. Yes. You yeah. Know? And sometimes it just depends if, you know, I've still got a few secrets, but sometimes my eating disorder, when I exposed that, when I was, had a huge eating disorder for about 10 years, I was so scared, but then I was like, when everyone said me too, like, a, you know, a different me too. And they were like, you felt seen and they felt seen. Mm-hmm. And there is sometimes like the small victories and the small, the small helpers sometimes yeah. on a big platform can like save people's lives. So I think it's all, I think it's all helpful, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. on a big scale on a small scale, but well, thanks guys for this. I feel like less like crying today. <laughs> <laughs> I know it really was such a great hour. I love all of our vulnerability. Thank you so much, Alicia, for 
coming on and just being so open and honest and and spreading your message and all the activism you do absolutely amazing i'm so there for it and um also can't wait to see more projects coming from you on screen i know you mentioned you had a couple coming you know at, at south by southwest and some of the other festivals where else um, should people be ready to see you or the best place for people to find you I would love people to check out the kind diet and the kind mama mm. and to know that it's not all or nothing. Like we started talking about in the beginning that you can take baby steps. I would love people to just be informed so that they can make the best choices for themselves, knowing that they have an incredible secret that they could use that would change their lives mm. on so many levels. Um, I would love people to check out The Real Heal, my podcast, because we talk, we're really diving into what it is to heal ourselves. That's the entire purpose of the podcast is how do we heal ourselves? How do we heal our communities? Um, like, what is it really going to take to do that? And um, asking the hard questions and coming up with really good answers. And um and then my movies, well, also on Instagram, because on Instagram is where I show everybody how I feed my kid and how I'm eating and like what's going on in the day to day and, and how you can live this really holistic, healthy um, life that is alternative in a lot of ways, but also very chic and fabulous so that it's not <laughs> like you're living in a tent in the woods, right? right. Not a bad thing, just mm -hmm. that you can be part of this. Mm -hmm mainstream culture but not necessarily do things in a mainstream way mm. and, um so that's what I like to show and then movies I mean I was so proud of the Requin that came out not too long ago mm. Last Survivor that was not too long ago um going a little bit further back uh Killing of the Sacred Deer The Lodge like all of these cool things um but currently what is coming out is what just came out I feel like I forget everything oh well the rec um the reptile with Reptile on Netflix is coming out in the summer, I think, with Benicio del Toro and John and uh, Justin Timberlake, and um, that's really cool. And Perpetrator, given what you've been talking about, I think you would love this filmmaker. She's a very feminist filmmaker, makes these incredible artistic, beautiful movies. And Perpetrator is the one that I am in with her. That's at Berlin Film Festival right now. And um, so there's and, not much. There's not much going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's so much. Going on. How, how yes, was working, how was working with Justin Timberlake? Did you have a great time working with him? I did. Oh, nice. She's not gonna say no, Roxy. Much in it, but he's lovely, and I we we only worked together in one scene, and then we and but we hung out more on the offside, and that was really lovely. He's so sweet. Well, thank you so much. And guys, uh, you can follow us on Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook and Women on Top Official on TikTok as if. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll see you again. Yes. You Bye. Bye. Bye, Lisa. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. And I am Tam and Sursok. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are Women. Women. On top, as if.